0: A few years ago I was lucky enough to be in Maui and I was visiting the surfboard shaping shop of a local legend named Oli. Oli was working with a younger surfer who had won a few local competitions and had established quite a reputation. They were working together on shaping a board and while they were, Oli was pointing out that there was something he needed to do specifically on the next cut, and that if he didn't, the board could end up misshapen. And the younger shaper said, well, hold on, how do you know that the mistake we could make might not be the very thing that makes this board so great and different? And they continued their discussion before eventually reaching a compromise, but it was really refreshing to hear a different perspective questioning and even challenging years of wisdom and experience and not with any disrespect but with a equal standing and a willingness to suggest that maybe just this time they try it a different way because they don't know what the results might reveal and they don't know the benefit that might come from that. As you'll hear reference to, I recently uh, made a mistake and despite the, the feelings that came after I realized the mistake that i would made, what followed was an opportunity to not only learn from that mistake, but to recognize how that mistake not only informed, but maybe even improved the conversation that I had tried to have the first time and was now continuing in the podcast you're about to hear. Thank you for joining me today to listen as I speak with Tara Masson, a little piece that we're working on in a series about self-acceptance. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Hey, Seth. Morning, Tara. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm well. Uh, thanks for your help on that second try. For some reason, the first one, uh, I couldn't seem to connect or hear anything, so glad we're connected now. Yes. Um, for everyone who's listening in with us today, uh, you're listening on Storytelling with Seth, and I'm joined by Tara Massan, who is a yoga teacher, personal trainer, and lifestyle coach. Um, she specializes working with adults who create healthier lifestyles by addressing uh, their obstacles. Um, I'll let her talk more about her four pillars of health. Uh, but she's also the creator of Forever Be Moved, who was kind enough to invite me for a guest post um, a few months back now. And um, she's joining me today to talk a, a little bit about something that um, has been near and dear to both of us. But before we get started on that, I'm um, any gaps I might have missed with that little introduction. Well, thank- all
1: yours. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. That was uh, that was pretty good. Um, you know, I it it's simple. You know, I don't call myself a life coach, even though I have a life coach training background. But I'm a lifestyle coach. Um, I believe that there are four pillars of health that greatly impact the quality of our lives, and that's mindset movement, nutrition, and rest. And I think we have to pay careful attention to these four areas in our life to make sure we show up for life. Um, If you're not getting enough rest, you don't think clearly. Um, You may make poor food choices and choose not to exercise and so on. Um, You know, the long and the short of it is is that we are – becoming a nation of chronically stressed out adults who don't laugh, who don't play, who take life so goddamn serious. And I want to bring a little more levity and lightness and mindfulness into how we show up in life and to not sweat the small stuff and to work on um, becoming – the best person that we can. And yeah, that's thrown around a lot, but you know, that's the root of it. You know, that's why my clients come to me because there's something off and they want to do something about it. So so that's what I help people do.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I like that we started out with this, uh, this introduction that includes this idea of, you know, a little bit of forgiveness because that allows me to point out the, uh, the humble (laughs) fact that this is our second attempt. <clears throat> Boom! Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, here's the part where I get to totally own it. And uh, Tara and I had a great conversation uh, about eight or nine days ago now. And it was about an hour and a half in length. We went through all of these different elements of uh, self-acceptance self and discovery. There was uh, really just really good, deep, rich conversation that I believed in all truth, that I was recording completely and that this would be monumental and break open this series only to find, to my great sadness later, that the audio did not capture uh, all of that conversation was something that's now just between two people. And uh, after I admitted this to Tara, we both agreed to give it another shot (laughs) and take a chance to, to now review some of those things that were, you know, really just the gems that that just sort of rose up where we went, wow, that's something we we both had a chance to discover together and something that we should come back to. And even if it's as a review, um, these things that we want to bring up, we feel are are really helpful. And I'm just going to be honest and say that I'm approaching this from the idea of I understand people the way I understand characters and stories. I understand people's actions and their motivations and their beliefs through those shared concepts. The idea that so many of the characters in stories represent people we know in our lives and so many people in our lives can remind us of the people we've read in stories. And that's a very simple and basic uh, understanding But I'm hoping that by talking with someone who has a great deal of experience working with others in these areas, especially with how they affect us regarding our mindset or our motivation or our stress levels, um, that Tara can kind of be this really great sort of just person that I can feed some of these ideas off of and get a response and also try and interpret it in a way that helps me understand them as well as possible. And for anyone listening, hopefully understand them uh, maybe even better than me and join in the conversation in ways you uh, you feel the most comfortable doing.
1: And I also want to add that I think it's really, um, I don't know if auspicious is the right word, but the mere fact that Seth and I connected, like, two people who have never met face to face. We connected eight, nine days ago. we had this powerful 90 minute conversation rooted in the concept concepts of self-acceptance and in general just acceptance. And <laughs> and then the, the podcast didn't record and we both had to say, huh, okay, so now what? Like are we gonna mope around and be like, you know, screw this, this sucks. We're never going (laughs) to capture that magic again, or can we just accept that, guess what, two people who have never met face-to-face had a powerful, dynamic conversation that was raw and awesome and give it a go again. Boom. Like, there's acceptance. If that's not the universe, you know, teaching us both a lesson in acceptance, then I don't know what is. So I, I think it's, I think it's great. We get to lead by example. So shit happens.
0: <laughs> there it is. Yes. Right. Un- unfortunately, even when we have the best of intentions, shit happens. Yep. You can be wearing your finest dress shoes. You will step in it. It will get places. You will have to clean it. And there <laughs> still will be this, this lingering smell. Yep. This, this, this scent that reminds you. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. You can't really let go of it just that, that quickly. Not it's yet. Still here. <laughs> Um, but we, we are thankfully able to recall some of those those highlights, and um, we're going to discuss them today, and we're also going to keep in mind, and I'm saying this mostly, I think, for myself, but uh, as much as it's shared with Tara as well, this idea that this is really more of a conversation than a staid clinical uh sealed in a soundproof box podcast we're doing this conversation via our phones through the anchor app and as i already admitted to tara i've got two dogs my my pipple fiji and my french bulldog bruno snuggling on the couch but they're prone to whining barking and i drink a coffee obsessively so you will hear this sort of slurping gulping sound in the background from time to time (laughs) And you'll hear some static or you'll hear some other noises. And that's going to be part of us having this conversation and us not really trying to put more on it than let's focus on the value of the conversation we're having. Mm -hmm. And let's not get distracted by the little things that if you're having this kind of conversation at a table over coffee, you wouldn't let them interrupt you either. You would simply continue with the conversation. And we hope that when you're listening, you'll do the same with us.
1: Pour yourself a cup of coffee.
0: I uh, already yeah. did. I've been slurping away. Excellent. I, I take advantage when others are talking. <laughs> that's, that's my moment. That's when I, I sort of seize it. <laughs> um, so did you want to go ahead and maybe start with some of the highlights that, that stood out for you or some of the areas that you wanted to maybe
1: yeah, yeah. kind of
0: draw from first, so you know, as far as?
1: I I think this notion of self-acceptance is important to explore. Um as someone who is involved in the self-help world, um, you know, in person or online, there's a lot of garbage out there. Um, and there's a lot of, um, misinformation or people who are misguided that, um, are offering up quote unquote advice and lessons. And, um, I think it's, it can be confusing for anyone who has used the help of Dr. Google to maybe improve upon a certain area in their life and then they find themselves swimming in a shit of information that is misleading, misguiding, or um, leaves you not feeling good enough, right? So I think that is the, the my true motivation of, why I think self-acceptance is something that we need to discuss in detail and really really honestly and, um, I guess, I don't want to say objectively, but presently evaluate what that means to you here and now. Um, And I know that self-acceptance is um, something that can be Confusing. So prior to this conversation, you know, I sat down and I really thought about, you know, what does self acceptance mean and, you know, what it means to me now. And I'm going to first preface and say that I am a walking contradiction and I live my life in that fashion, meaning that I give myself permission to change my mind. So if I believe something to be true, A year ago, I give myself permission to think otherwise if I find other evidence or notions that support me better here and now. So um, just know that self-acceptance should also take that same, um, I guess, path. But, um, you know, the first thing when I was thinking about self-acceptance and just really getting down to the nitty gritty is that most of us don't have this default sense of self-acceptance, right? We we just don't. And we have to work towards it. and And it's something that we'll always have to work towards it because we live in a world that is constantly telling us to be something else than who we are. So I think self-acceptance is a continuous work in progress, but... Down to the nitty gritty, I believe self acceptance is is actually quite simple and raw, and sometimes hard to accept. Um, and that is being able to accept my attributes, my qualities of who makes me me, whether they're good or they're bad, or their strengths or their weaknesses. And I then you have to take further and regardless if you have an attribute that you're really proud of or an attribute that you're not so proud of um then you have to accept it and not judge it um and I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest um thing with self-acceptance is forgetting the judgment you know um and it can be hard and it can be tricky right that we have to accept that we're imperfect beings and that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have to know that we made a mistake and figure out um okay so maybe i'm not that great at communicating like i thought it was all right well it is what it is i accept that at you know in the previous conversation i didn't communicate um in a productive fashion or I was too emotionally charged. Um, I think by accepting how we show up in the world for ourselves is where you start. What do you think about that?
0: Well, uh, one, I, I have to be honest. I was really kind of, I chuckled at the idea of Dr. Google. So thank <laughs> you for Dr. Google. Um, <laughs> and i was also kind of curious and i want to come back to the idea of maybe just some examples of garbage that people can sort of mm. uh look out for and that would also just sort of be like a, these are things to keep an eye out for so that you don't get distracted by those things and focus more on the real things about yourself with self-acceptance so i'd yeah. like to come back to that in just a sec but um to to go back to your uh to question just now you know you were asking what's what's my take sort of on self-acceptance,
1: yeah, right? Yeah. Like, What's your like notion? What do you, what do you think if we pale back all the layers of what acceptance may be, what does that look and feel like to you?
0: Yeah. Self-acceptance for me started in a way, uh, with who I am, um, physically actually. Mm. Um, I used to measure how i well I could be as a person based on, uh, physical attributes. Like I played soccer, Um, I enjoyed it. I thought I was pretty good. Um, And then I realized that there were certain things that other people, as I got older, were better at than me, whether it was dribbling or passing or certain skills. And I could get better at those things. But I also had to face a a major um, challenge, which was around the age of 17. I I tore my uh, ACL, Mm -hmm. the uh, anterior cruciate ligament, in my left knee. And I didn't really deal with it in a healthy way. I tried to keep playing on a bad knee for about another year. Um, and it, it only took about nine months into that before I, you know, gave up in the pain and finally got a knee surgery uh, done and was able to start. But I decided to keep going back to that because that had been a, a measurement for me of sort of my identity, individuality. Um, a way of defining myself that was separate from a lot of the people either that I knew, or that was something that was an ideal that I had really aspired to. And I had two more knee surgeries as I continued to keep playing. (laughs) um, (laughs) I I now have to sort of like recognize that that was something that I wanted then and eventually had to let go of. Mm. And my reasons had to be about, well, you know, the time and energy you're putting into this and the, the damage it's doing to your body there's an equation you should consider. There's a a way of listing the good and the bad for Mm -hmm. this and and seeing how well it adds up. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided to stay active, but I've also noticed that now that I'm 41 and it's been about 17, 18 years since my last surgery, that it's harder for me to do the things I love. Uh, I have to buy shoes with more cushion if I want to keep running. And for a while, I I couldn't even uh, run the local Lake Merritt here in Oakland and uh, I had to get really sort of find ways to be okay with things that I used to be able to do really well and comfortably and that I couldn't anymore and you know what did that make me feel who did I think I was and when I was young it was terrible I didn't process it very well at all um (laughs) I I didn't like the fact that I had in my mind failed at my attempt and that uh that I dealt with it by drinking heavily and just having a lot of frustration. Um, and that became something that created also a lot of conflict for me because taking on a new challenge, I was always left with the possibility of what if I work as hard as I can and this still happens to me and learning to find ways to be okay with putting my best effort into something, but also You know, knowing that that doesn't mean that my 100% guarantees my measure of success. Right. That that the goal that I'm trying to achieve, that's not going to be the measurement of success that I need to focus on if I want to maintain a healthy relationship with whatever it is I'm trying to do. Otherwise, I'm going to return to this very unhealthy state, Mm -hmm. whether it's because of myself or outside factors.
1: Well, Um, I think you brought up a good point. Is the external right? Because when we're when we're looking for acceptance, or if we're looking for um, something inside, because we crave change or we know something's not working, I think we can all get lost in the abyss of like just constantly searching for something. Um, but if we start external with our like physical. Bodies right um and start figuring out, figuring out the practice of acceptance it's it's a little more tangible it's you know you can look in the mirror and see it right versus going inside and I think you and I have really similar stories i I was a gymnast, and um you know I love gymnastics i 'm naturally um athletic, but here 's the deal when I was in fifth grade i was the same height I am now. I like shot up to five, six in the fifth grade. And then I wanted to do gymnastics and being a gymnast at, you know, being five, six, that's way too tall. So I was usually one of the taller girls on the team. And what ended up happening was, is that I started practicing self-acceptance without even realizing it, you know, I'm five, six. Um, and, I, I'm not a typical, um, quote unquote, not to put gymnasts in a box, but I'm not, um, small boned. I'm a medium to larger framed woman who carries around a lot of muscle. And so I had to accept at a very early age that I'm taller than most gymnasts. And I was constantly reminded of that by coaches and that I wasn't thin I was very strong and I was constantly reminded by my coaches, which was quite self-defeating. But I remember one night I, after um, a crazy practice before a meet, I realized one thing and that was my strength is my strength, right? I, I'm a power tumbler. Um, Even though I'm taller, I'm really strong on the bars. I don't have the dancer, Qualities to me, the grace to me, but what I am is strong and I can build upon that and I can own it and forget about the rest. And as soon as I did that, I became even better as a gymnast. Long and short, I ended up um, getting injured, um, tearing my calf muscle, and having to have surgery on my left foot. But, you know, then being on crutches, that was a whole nother thing of self acceptance, right? Like, I, cannot physically move right i cannot physically go running i'm on crutches for 6 months followed by a year of rehab like this is what it is and and that's it um but i think when we start with the external um then a lot of things change i mean how many of us have friends who just decided you know what i am going to start you know some sort of workout routine or join some sort of athletic activity and not only do you see the physical changes in their body but you notice it within their mindset and i think practicing self acceptance is it is, is start with the external um you know for me i guess as as a woman um, and granted, I don't want to use the word feminist, but I am pro woman, like pro 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 <laughs> woman. And, and okay. that's who I am. And I, that's it. I'm, that's my acceptance. But, you know, women were in and men, we constantly are fed images in the media of how we should quote unquote look. And it took me years of going through eating disorders and depression to realize, guess what, you know what, I am never, ever going to be that size I'm never going to be that size I can try and I have tried and I felt like crap and I did terrible damage to my body but when I fully accepted my body for who for what it is then I was able to say you know what I have short legs can't do anything about it but guess what my short legs are strong like you want to you want me to squat some some weight I'll, I'll show you how to do that You know, like, um, so I think we start with the external, you know what I mean? Um, but then, then, then challenge yourself and move, move within, you know, maybe you have some sort of limiting belief. Maybe it's an addiction. I mean, last time, uh, Seth and I spoke about this, we both discovered that him and I both have, um, we're both sober. We don't drink and that we both um have struggled with alcohol and you know to anyone who's listening um you know addiction I don't like that word because it has such a nasty stigma but addiction and sobriety require acceptance and it requires that you go you know shit you know this is out of hand okay this is out of hand this is where i'm at and i think that's that's what it is be here now where are you you know in your life and and discovering that and just being okay with it even if it's good even if it's messy even if it's ugly not so pretty not what you want it to be but just sitting in the thick of it and i think that's what happens when you start accepting who you are where you are how you are right
0: I, I agree. I think really um, that, that comes to this idea that it, self-acceptance, you know, really begins with self-recognition. Yes. The ability to recognize yourself yep. just the same as you would by looking in a mirror mm-hmm. and you're not trying to Photoshop anything, not trying to, <laughs> you know, puff out the chest,
1: suck in the eggs. Right. Right.
0: Can I, you know, if I, if I bend my knees and elbows a little bit more, does it create, you know, lines of definition in my major muscle groups and arms and legs? Can I, how can I, you know, do something to make this, can I just stand there and take stock Right. and by recognizing who I am and taking it all at face value, you know, by beginning with that sort of exterior and just sort of looking, uh, at oneself, honestly, not apologetically, not uh, with any other sort of pretense, but by being willing to to look at yourself and just mm-hmm. say, "Okay, this is how things are at this moment." Yep. All right. Now let's start from there. Before we do anything else, let's just make sure we've taken stock of of all of those things—the positives, the negatives—and and then we can go from that sort of kind of equal footing, uh, sort of solid foundation starting point.
1: I also, yeah, no, and I also think that one thing with acceptance is a lot of people are so busy um, with obligations, with family, with work, with their to-do lists, and then they're being um, mentally assaulted by social media, information coming their way on the radio, the TV, the internet, your phone, you know, Um, I think it's easy and common that sometimes we just wake up one day and go, who the hell am I and what the hell am I doing with my life, right? So even the notion of self-acceptance, if you are you know, struggling with something in your life, I think the best thing, rather than um going okay, well these are my good qualities, these are my bad qualities, is to really figure out what you stand for and what you don't stand for. And and you know, I didn't realize how powerful of a question or questions these are until um I had to face these questions myself. I uh last time when Seth and I were speaking, I told him a story of, um, you know, I used to be a paralegal throughout my 20s and into my early 30s. And I worked for this tyrant of an attorney. And I certainly don't want to badger her, but this is uh, it. Well, you know, it is what it is. She was a tyrant. Um, and I was sitting in my office, you know, of course, you know, working 40, 50 hours a week and uh, taking work home with me, uh, constantly checking emails. I was burnt out as burning the candle at both ends, but that was what I was accepting. That's what I thought, you know, you're supposed to do as an adult that you went to college, you got a good job, you worked yourself way up and then you just work really hard. Right. And so one day I'm sitting in my office, I'm working on a case and this attorney walks in and she just let me have it. And it wasn't something where I did something specifically wrong it was her crap she unloaded um her frustrations of how cases were going um and you know cases are externally influenced by you know specific judicial assignments to any sort of um filings by the adverse attorney and so on i mean there's tons of factors that go into case progressions and she just let me have it in a manner that made me feel so little. It was so disrespectful and belittling. And it was just nasty. And I still get really pent up and upset when I talk about this. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was a gift. And she left after she just let me have it. I mean, she was raising her voice and I shut the door to my office and I cried. And for me, that, I felt weak. I felt so weak that I was letting myself get all worked up by what this woman, you know, said to me that was untrue and just made me feel horrible. I felt just like a terrible person because I had let someone else do that to me. And it wasn't that I felt terrible because what she was saying, but I let someone do that to me. So I left for the day. I told my manager, I was like, you know what? This happened. It's not okay. I'm leaving for the day. You know, that's it. And I remember I drove home in silence. I was pissed and I wasn't pissed at the situation. I was pissed at myself. You know, I was pissed. I was like, how the hell did I end up in this place? Like, what, what the hell did I do so wrong? And I just kept going on this loop. And I think we all get there. We just go on this loop and it's not self-serving and we get nowhere. And finally, you know, this drive is like 30 minutes and I get home and, I'm shaking and I'm all alone. And I was like, okay, what can I do to calm myself down? Grand, this is before I was a yoga teacher. <laughs> and, uh, I poured myself a cup of tea and I don't know what overcame me, but I pulled out a piece of paper, drew a line down the middle. And on one side of the piece of paper, I wrote, what do I stand for? And on the other side of the piece of paper, I wrote, what do I not stand for? And in that moment, it was super easy to fill up that side of the piece of paper that said, what do I not stand for? I mean, I went on, like, I don't stand for bullshit. I don't stand for nasty people. I don't stand for disrespect. I don't stand for people yelling at me. I don't stand for people degrading me, taking advantage of me, blah, 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 And just went on and on and on. And then I was like, whew, oh, I feel a lot better. Now I got the other side. What do I stand for? And in that moment... I realized, holy crap, what, what do I stand for? And that took a long time for me to fill out. You know, of course I started with some, you know, really basic things. Well, I stand for being in a loving relationship. I stand for having friendships and relationships that are, you know, full of respect and love and, you know, genuine interaction. And I stand for freedom in my personal life. I stand for blah, 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 blah. But then I got down to the nitty gritty. And what I realized was that I had this compass, right? I had this compass that would tell me when I'm in line with who I'm, you know, with what I'm doing and when I'm out of line you know, when I'm not in line with my core values. And I think with acceptance, if we start there, if we dig down and say, okay, what do I stand for? And what don't I stand for? And some people might go, well, that, that sounds, you know, don't you already know that? Well, I would challenge people to really get to know what you stand for and what you don't stand for, and then reflect and go, okay, am I living in accordance to these standards that I'm creating for myself. And if you're not, then accept that. And then accept also that you can change it. And that, you know, self acceptance is, it's constant. It isn't just like, okay, I accept myself because I'm five, six, I weigh X amount of weight, I can run this, you know, it, it's constant. And you have to continuously reflect to figure out, you know, how are you doing? And I think that's really what it comes down to, you know, acceptance. When we're forced to reflect, it's often because something isn't going well in our lives. I feel like I was just rambling. Sorry, Seth.
0: (laughs) I I don't think you were rambling at all. Actually, um, I think this is a great moment to uh, point out a couple of things. As part of this conversation, Tara and I agree that about every 30 minutes or so, we would disconnect so that I can confirm that we actually have verified audio. Yes. So we're going to pause for a moment to do that because we're around 32 minutes or so. But also this sets up really nicely, I think, an opportunity for us to use this idea that that you brought up, which is really great. This idea of not um, what do I like, what don't I like about myself, but this idea of what do I stand for, what do I not stand for. To create a moral compass. And when we come back, we can talk about how that's something you can use when you're one trying to uh, filter out the garbage that Dr. Google can sometimes provide (laughs) unintentionally, and then also how you can then use that moral compass to kind of go through the rest of this understanding, what is self-acceptance both to other people, but more importantly to yourself as a person. Sound good? Sound good. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pop off here, and uh, we'll be getting together with you in just a moment. Okay. Bye now now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor.
1: Hey Seth.
0: Hey Tara. Well, everyone, welcome back. We've checked the audio. It's saved at 33 minutes and I gave a couple of scans through it. It says it's all there and I listened to a couple of segments. So I'm going to trust that all of it is, is as good as we're going to get and whatever doesn't, for whatever reason, that's part of the acceptance part too. So we're going to be okay with that.
1: Yes, we, <laughs> <laughs> we have to be. <laughs>
0: exactly. That's that's one of the best things is recognizing when that's something that has to occur. It's just this is happening. You're going to have to deal with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's happening. Um, and what was really great was right before we stepped away, Tara was doing this great thing where she pointed to an example, uh, a really bad experience Uh with a, a boss and, and an employer and how the response she had was to focus on what she stood for, what she didn't stand for. And that by using that, she could actually create this moral compass and that that's a great guideline as you embark on this process of self-recognition so that you can you know, develop the skills that come with self-acceptance and the, the understanding that comes with it as well. And I was pointing out that earlier, um, you might have heard reference to Dr. Google and his, <laughs> his attention questions, but he's doing it based on algorithms and search results. And, you know, there's a lot of information about how we can heal the body and treat different conditions. And that when you're seeking advice from Dr. Google, you can come across, which uh, I think there's probably no better no more eloquent word than garbage, which was used to describe it. And this garbage <laughs> can be really negative. It can set you on the wrong path despite your best intentions. And mm-hmm. while that can provide some valuable lessons in self acceptance, it's also something that can be easily avoided if you rely on this, this moral compass and how that can help you filter out some of the garbage that can distract you from the, the real the roots. Of self acceptance.
1: Well, and also, I think, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily want to accept is that as human beings, we are naturally imperfect. You know, there is no such thing as a perfect body. You know, I mean, if you want to get into it from a physical point of view, like all of us have. Unlevel pelvises. (laughs) You know, like there is no perfect body. There is no perfect face if we want to still stick with external attributes. And there's no perfect mindset. There's no perfect way to conduct yourself, you know, in conversations or how you show up in life. And then we have to accept that we're naturally imperfect. And I think that just perfectly... (laughs) I'm overusing that word, uh, leads into a story I had shared with Seth last time we chatted. And that was, um, another employer of mine, um, great attorney. And, um, I once again was, you know, I was paralegal and I was working way too much. I had way too, you know, my caseload was outrageous, unrealistic. It is what it is. You do the best you can, but I showed up to work one day and, um, I realized I forgot to file something on a specific case and okay, well that's happened before, but the thing that really stood out was that in that moment, not only did I make a mistake, but that mistake was going to directly impact someone's livelihood. It was directly going to impact, um, money that was coming to them because of this lawsuit. And when that money was gonna come to them. So I felt just horrible, just horrible. And I walked into um, my employer's office, and he himself is also um, a recovering alcoholic. And at that time, when I started working for him, I was at the tail end of my um, addiction to alcohol. And um, I had just quit drinking um because of his influence granted I never admitted to having a drinking problem while working there but if people put things together e- you could definitely tell I mean I would show up to work hung over reeking of alcohol I mean it just was not a pretty thing but back to the story he I walked into his office and I said hey Tom uh, I got something to tell you he's like what's a, what's going on I was like I made a mistake and he smiles at me and he kind of leans back in his chair and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, well, you know, I forgot to file this um, with this case. And now this person isn't going to get the benefits um, that they deserve. And, you know, it's, you know, and I just started rambling and going on about how this is going to terribly affect this person. And he stopped me and he said, "Tara, is that it? what are you talking about? What do you mean? Is that it? Yes. Like, yes. And he smiled again. And I was like, what do you, you know, just now I'm getting mad. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is really going to screw this person over because I, I failed. I made a mistake. And he looked at me and he leaned forward in his chair, put his hands on His desk and smile and he had just had this like really warming smile like the twinkle in the eyes (laughs) (laughs) you know like yeah and he looked at me and he just said you know Tara is that the only mistake you made today yeah were you talking what I, I wasn't getting what he was saying is that the only mistake you made today yes well then I think you're doing pretty good And I was just blown away. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. He's right. I've only made one mistake today. Just one. And it's like 2 p.m. I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Holy crap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I showed up to work. I didn't get in a car accident. I didn't spill coffee on my white shirt. I haven't tripped over my own feet. I was kind to people. I made one mistake. Just one. Wow. Wow. And just that mindset change. So if we can, ex- you know, go into acceptance with, yeah, we are imperfect. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes, but okay, well, I'm just going to accept them and make mistakes, and and that's that. Um, but that was something that really changed me, especially as I was newly sober. It's like, holy crap, only one mistake today. Like, what a different perspective if we just go into every single day with that mindset. You know, then we can allow for more forgiveness and humanness in our lives. Like, okay, yeah. We are messy, imperfect beings, and that's okay. It takes the pressure off.
0: (laughs) I think it really does. Um, And that's a great example of just, one, two really different responses uh to Mm -hmm. a situation and in in both of those uh examples you know the the employer you mentioned earlier they they were describing how something had happened to the case and that that was affecting them but they were choosing to now take it out on you and yet this employer is saying hey you you're responsible in ways for for this uh event and that's affecting me but the response isn't for me to take it out on you. The response is to make sure that you understand you're okay and that this is as bad as it's gonna get today. You know, this is the, right? the...
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. This is that's it, it.
0: You know, and this is the hardest thing that you have to face is dealing with the frustration of what you you know you did and having to tell someone who's above you and kind of probably has to take more responsibility or a certain degree of responsibility for
1: it. Um, because of how it affects them yeah and and okay so this i don't know if this is appropriate but i'm gonna go with it so before the me too movement came about i was a fan of louis ck and i remember watching Mm. um his stand up and he there was um a specific story he was telling and he was talking about how impatient we are as a society. And I think this is a great story of acceptance, really. And he's describing how um, he asked a friend of his, you know, who do you use for, um, you know, your your cell carrier? Who do you use? And one person said, well, I use at and And another person was like, I hate at and And he's like, well, why do you hate at and like, well, because it takes so long to get a signal. Like, look at this. My my Wi-Fi. Like, look how long it takes me to pull up this web page. And then he stopped and he described it. He's like, Really? You're going to get so heated that your blood pressure rises, your face turns red when your phone is sending a signal to a satellite in outer space, and they're waiting for that signal to come back to your phone and your blood pressure is gonna go up. Really? <laughs> You know, like right then and there, if you just think about that, you know, when you're standing in line at a grocery store at Starbucks, waiting in your car for traffic or waiting for your significant other to text you back, like, can we take a deep breath and accept right now, we're just waiting and that's okay. (laughs) You know, like something as simple as that is a really good base to start with acceptance, acceptance for external things you cannot control, you know? Um, yeah.
0: No, it's a good rant. I, I think that's a good one. I agree. In fact, I had a friend tell me something similar and it was it was a good one. I think it might have been perhaps by the same comedian on the same sort of subject. But it had, I think it had to do with like air travel and the idea that we can travel across the country at these amazing speeds. yet we complain that it takes four or five hours to right. you know, get to different parts. And <sighs> I was recently traveling where I was on a flight for like 13 hours. um, Right. But I also had to think to myself, you know, this is the worst part of this trip. This is as bad as it's going to get. And I'm a little tall. I'm over six feet. I've got long legs. So those seats are already in my knees before I've finished completely sitting down. And if you choose to recline your seat. I actually did a whole blog post about, you know, hey, that guy crushing you with his seat is kind of trying to remind you of something. And it was this idea that, you know, it's not that bad, mm-hmm. you know, and that you have a way that you can react to this. And for me, it was to um, go through all the heroes that I've, you know, read about who have gone through much worse. (laughs) And that by comparison, (laughs) I was suffering in small ways. And that by looking at their example, I could probably overcome this minor inconvenience, Uh, along with the idea that, you know, this was the hardest part of it. And that when it was over, I'd be in a beautiful place or on the way home that I would be returning home from, you know, an amazing Mm -hmm. adventure. And that if Mm -hmm. if this was the, the sort of additional price needed to pay in addition to any financial, then, okay, this was the price I was paying. And I would find a workaround because the trade-off was this amazing experience I was going to and coming from. Um,
1: That's right. That's right. And if you didn't practice self-acceptance in that moment or acceptance in general, um, you could have, really blown that, uh, situation out of proportion. Like you could have like kicked the person in front of you, the back of their seat. You could have, you know, um, been nasty. You could have, um, complained, made the people next to you on either side, feel uncomfortable, um, and so on. But instead you're like, okay, this is what it is. I've got long legs. I'm on an airplane, 13 hours. This person in front of me is going to recline their seat because that's what they're going to do. <laughs> yes. Okay. And it's something okay. I've
0: been dealing with since I hit a growth spurt, you know, in my teenage years. And, and that became part of the the factor of air travel for me. Hey, you're tall. Guess what? Right. You know, there's going to be discomfort. Um, And I can remember being <laughs> younger and like, yeah, kicking the seat, me and it, my dad, like, hey, there's somebody up in front of you. You need to think about what this is like for them, you know. Right. I'm sure it doesn't feel right. great having your knees shoved into their back, even though they're just trying to like recline or sleep and it time, time and experience, I think led me to, uh, to that acceptance. I think, mm-hmm. I hope
1: we <laughs> <laughs> were well, there. So that's good. Now,
0: in, in those moments it. I've learned it. I'm hoping that it, it always carries over to, uh, to these other challenges because there will be challenges. Um, And I was just wondering, uh, just to go back to that idea real quick about Dr. Google, if there were any examples of garbage that you've come across that you're like, hey, you know what, these are really clear, simple red flags, be aware of this, don't let them distract you, even though they can be things that you should be aware of or focusing on when it comes to self-acceptance, these ideas that telling you about how to address it are disruptive or destructive. Mm
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think that after um, the movie The Secret came out, um, there's, there's still a lot of nonsense coming out regarding the law of attraction. And um, do I believe in the law of attraction? You're damn straight, I do. Um, to a point. I don't believe that I can... You know, if I'm looking for some sort of answer within me and I discover that, you know, what I really want deep down is to um, feel like I belong or um, I, you know, if I'm looking for some sort of answer, I think the biggest misinformation that I can come um can come of Dr. Google is that um, we can think it and it will come to us. Oh, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, I think in order for us to really understand self-acceptance, we have to realize that we all live in our own tiny bubbles, right? Like I live in Tara world. Like even though I am fully engaged with the people in my life, the only world I live in is my world, and, and that's okay. And I think when we realize that, then we can start accepting that we're all, I, I don't know, doing the best that we can do. Um, you know, I, that's such a good question. That might have to be like a whole episode of garbage that we found from Dr. Google, Um, about acceptance, about self-help or becoming the best person out there. I just, you know, you have to ask yourself maybe, why am I looking for this answer? Like, what is, what's the inner conflict or the inner dialogue that has me seeking out these answers? And if you're not sure of that answer, then that's okay. That's where you are. But something inside is longing for more and that's where you are, um, I can't think of a specific answer. I guess maybe because I'm having like floods of garbage come to my mind. and It's like <coughs> all, you know, clouding well, that... what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, the good thing is I was in the middle of some kind of weird, <coughs> <laughs> excuse me, coughing sinus fit there. So it gave you a moment to let me continue breathing. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Because right in the middle, I was like, okay, I think I'm choking. This isn't fun. I don't know why this is happening. But I do know it's occurring. <laughs> there we go. And I'd like it to stop. I'm actually going to get off oh, no. real quick. Okay. <laughs> Give me just a moment.
1: Okay. <laughs> Thank sounds you. good.
0: And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor.
1: Hey, Seth.
0: Hi. Hi. I'm alive. Yes, I'm going to leave that coughing in there because that was just one of those moments I think anyone can relate to. Um, I I suffer mild, you know, sort of sinus conditions, allergies. Um, I grew up in a somewhat agricultural area in the second half of my childhood. And because of all the processing that would occur, like the air was always full of particulates. And uh, it was pretty common for me and my sister and a lot of friends to get these kind of chest congestion things because your sinuses get impacted. Oh, that was one where I felt that itch in the back of your throat, and I'm like, "Oh, "Uh -oh.
1: that that dry that just got worse." Yeah.
0: Uh oh. Oh. Okay, now my throat closed up. (sighs) Okay, we're just gonna. Okay. (laughs) So I started pulling the mic on my little uh, headphones here away from my throat oh, while you're no. talking. Like, I'm listening. Oh, no. Okay. So when you were like, what do you think? I'm like, I'm oh. going to be. <coughs> uh,
1: I need a moment.
0: <laughs> exactly. Grab myself a lozenge. Uh, yeah. Went through a quick But little... you know what?
1: It was perfect. And here's why. Because <laughs> when we took a quick break on... You know, you had asked me a really tough question, you know, like, what do you think specifically, like, what have you seen specifically online when you search for something with Dr. Google that you just think is utter bullshit? And I couldn't come up with a specific answer. So I figured I'd go on the flip side. And I think when it comes to self-acceptance or let's leave out the word self, let's just go after acceptance. Um, I think when, the more questions we ask, the more nourishment we bring to our lives. And, and the hardest thing about acceptance is the transformation that begins to happen when we start asking more questions, so like, what do I stand for? What don't I stand for? Um, okay, this is a situation. What can I make? In, how can I make the best of it? What is in my control? What's not in my control? And- um, I came across this really good um, great quote from Pima Chodron, and it says this: The problem is that the desire to change is fundamentally a form of aggression towards yourself. though the other problem is that our hang ups unfortunately or fortunately contain our wealth, our neurosis and our wisdom are made out of the same material. If you throw out your neurosis, you also throw out your wisdom. So I think when we are looking for answers, um, if you're not in a place where you're practicing radical acceptance of who you are or your situation, then then you create a lot of inner conflict. And then when you start asking these questions and you create even more inner conflict. Um, And I think that's the hardest thing to just get started, right? Like, whoa, like, this is really uncomfortable. I mean, we can, we could dial it back to um, when we both decided to get sober. You know what I mean? Like, I, my moment of becoming sober was a moment of acceptance. And it was slapped in front of me right in the face. Like, I don't really tell this story a lot. But, you know, At the time, at the end of my drinking days, you know, I come home from work and I'd slam half a bottle or three quarters of a bottle of whiskey. You know, that was like my badge of armor. Like, look how much I can drink. And then I would, you know, pass out, go to work, do it again, like every single day. And I remember one time I was at a friend's barbecue celebrating his birthday and, um, Two people that had gone to high school had come up and, you know, were walking up to the barbecue, and one of them had their face bashed in because the evening before they got into a bar fight. And the other person standing next to them, you know, I asked them their side of the story, and it turns out the person without the bashed in face was the cause of the altercation. And after they told me that story, I don't know what happened, but something in my head said, holy shit, you're going to end up like them. Holy shit. And I had to accept it. I had to accept that this this is going to be some sort of reflection of my future. Like Things aren't going to go well if I continue down this path. So I decided right then and there I never picked up a drink. And that was so hard to continue on. I was crawling out of my skin. Like the next day I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm not drinking, you know? Okay. Yeah. I didn't even have a sip of that beer yesterday. Okay. Well, what do I do? Oh my God, this is uncomfortable. Oh my God. What am I supposed to do? I have all this time to think, oh my gosh. And that's where radical self-acceptance comes in. I could sit there and be nasty and lash out, or I could just say, you know what, this, this sucks. Okay you know, um, self-acceptance and acceptance of whatever is going on in your life sometimes sucks. And that's, and that's what it is. And that's it. And it's not pretty. <laughs> it isn't always pretty. Um, yeah.
0: And yet, you know, it, it's the recognition that if you're willing to work on this, if you're willing mm-hmm. to make this a goal and a priority, that that's gonna be part of it.
1: Yes. And, and
0: there's gonna be conflict.
1: Yes. And I think also too to answer, you know, this whole Dr. Google thing, you know, we've become so dependent on, you know, seeking out answers, but let's use the workings of and writings of Danielle Laporte and just say, you know what? I'm gonna use this truth bomb. Mm-hmm. She has these awesome little truth bombs, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it my mantra. And it is be your own guru. Mm-hmm be your own guru. You accept that, you know, the answer deep down, even if you can't see it, even if it requires peeling back multiple layers, it's deep within you. And I think when you take the notion of be your own guru, then you begin to practice acceptance. Does that make sense?
0: It does. In fact, uh, in many ways, it comes back in a lot of ways to the moral compass that you were talking about that you create for yourself. Mm-hmm. What do I stand for? What do I not stand for? And by keeping that in mind and being your own guru and using that uh, to, to create your own guru and to give it life and shape and form as this kind of identity that, that you contain now mm-hmm you know shaping and growing and nurturing that that recognition that turning into that moral compass is how you can recognize what is the garbage like you can less listen to us later and we can create a laundry list which will be fun (laughs) some of the the, you know the best of the worst of the garbage you know that like wow you can't miss this one or You know, some of the more rote, like, yeah, you've probably seen this one and rolled your eyes with us too, you know, that kind (laughs) of thing. And we'll, you know, that'll, that'll be a fun thing. But that for the moment, while you're going through this process, you know, keep it as small as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I'm going to be happy when we've got, you know, more time than just in the introduction, because my lessons were a few times through before I reached a point where I, I stopped drinking. Um, but I do know that one of the first things I tried to do afterwards was to make my world very small Yes, and that I really wanted to, I moved from where I was living to Berkeley, California. I had a friend who had a room for rent in a a two bedroom. And I remember that when I moved there, I didn't bring a TV or a cable. I didn't try and hook anything up when I got there. I had a small radio. I had a bed. And I got a newspaper every day. Mm -hmm. And that was about as big as I wanted my world to be.
1: Yep.
0: Aside from, you know, some books and possessions that I brought with me. But I wasn't trying to ask the outside world in. I needed to really just have some time with myself because I felt that was the only way I was going to understand what I was trying to do and just how hard it was going to be. Yep. And um, I really feel that when you talked about being your own guru It it echoed the idea of the moral compass. And for me, it really brought up this very clear memory because I know for a lot of people, they said, well, what are you doing right now? I'm like, really, to be honest, I'm focusing on the fact that I have a job and that it pays my rent. And at the end of the day, I can check those two things off my list as as my goals and accomplishments that I've met. And anything beyond that, I'll extend to when I'm comfortable. But for right now, I want to be able to say that I go to my job, and I can pay for where I live and and that I've kind of met those two most basic needs in my life right now. Um, and I would think that if you keep that sort of same idea about your moral compass and you're saying, look, I know that when I'm making this decision, I'm focusing on what I stand for. Or that even if I'm not sure what exactly I stand for, I know that I don't stand for that. And that I'm using that to make my decision. But by mm-hmm. keeping it within these two places, I always know why i'm making this decision and and what part of me i'm I'm basing that on what part of me i'm using to sort of rely on my own wisdom you know this own sort of self-wisdom that i'm creating
1: well i also think too that you know you and i very similar story like when i um quit drinking um i didn't even know i was going to quit drinking i mean granted i had tried air quotes tried in the past um Mm -hmm unsuccessfully. And I think a lot of people go through that. Um, AA is not my thing and that's okay. It's acceptance. (laughs) It's just not my thing. (laughs) It works great for some people and I'm not one of those. Um, but when I decided to quit drinking, it wasn't like, you know, I had a plan, you know, the, um, what I saw in my, in my friend's you know, it was such an assault on my, my psyche that it, it was boom, no cut and dry. I'm a very um hot and cold person. I, I work on finding equal balance in the middle, in the middle ground. Um, but for me, it was boom, I'm done. And I had no plan and I'm a type A person. So, Oh my God, what am I going to do at this time? I have all this time. What am I going to do? And I had to accept that I didn't know the answer and that was okay. And that is, is really hard because sometimes um, acceptance requires that you stop grasping for control in life. You stop trying to control what you cannot control. And, you know, when you were um, explaining how, when you got sober, that you made your world really, really small. I think what you ended up doing and maybe I'm wrong, is I think you really went back to this concept that we discussed before in our prior recording, and that is the the suitcase concept of, is this mine to carry? So Seth and I, you know, we, we talked about this concept of when we are interacting with other people um, and we're Practicing acceptance of ourselves and acceptance of other people, um you know some of the basic needs of being human is to be recognized um to feel significant and sometimes um, you know we hand each other suitcases, you know, like I may walk up to my significant other and And tell him that I'm really frustrated that, you know, I do all these house chores and you don't help me out. That's not the case. But for this example, and I hand him a suitcase, an imaginary suitcase of expectations, and he has a choice. He can pick up that suitcase and go, okay, this is what's expected of me. Or he can choose not to pick up that suitcase and go, you know what? I'm doing the best that I can do right now i'm you know i'm a college teacher i'm working on my masters i can't pick this up and i think this notion of suitcases if we if we think of that with almost every interaction um we have every single day whether it's with ourselves or with other people we can stop and reflect on okay are they trying to give me a suitcase of their own crap and if so asking the question is is that mine to carry. And I think when you got became sober, I think you really practiced that concept without realizing it. You were like, okay, this is what I can carry right now. I can wake up, I can go to my job, I can pay my bills, I can hang out in my apartment. And those are my suitcases and you didn't accept anything else. And I think that is something where we have to constantly reevaluate in our life. Is this mine to carry? you know what I mean? Like, are these expectations, are are these, um, you know, obligations? Is that mine to carry? Are these um, ideals of how I should and should not be? Is that mine to carry? Or is that someone else's? You know, and what can I put down? Um,
0: I really like that. Um, and I do agree. I, I think that for me, I was trying to find a way to process this and to make it manageable and uh, put it into something that I could, you know, feel was defined by four walls or a box or a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And um, that mm-hmm. example of the suitcase was something that I got from a couple of different um, programs that referenced PTSD and the idea of something that's really tragic mm. that occurs to someone, really something really traumatic that impacts them and usually it's something that's out of their control that they have to respond to. And, um, and what I noticed also, was they talked about the idea that we have a choice about how big we want that suitcase to be, you know, how, how big, Uh, because there's, there are some things that part of self-acceptance might be, Hey, I, I will never forget this thing that I've experienced, whether it was done to me or whether it was something I did, however, this event occurred some things are profoundly traumatic. And because of that, there will mm-hmm. always be a lingering memory, just as if you've experienced physical trauma like we both described and had to experience surgery afterwards. There's a scar. And an emotional or um, experiential scar is just as severe and just as significant as a physical one. And that, how we carry that around with us how we allow it to affect us is something that we have control over as well. And how big of it or how big we choose to make it as part of our life is, is part of our recognition. You know, how much do we want this to play a role in who we are and how we identify the things that that make Mm -hmm. us the person we, we represent to each other. Well, that, that's it too.
1: And I think, you know, as, You know, the hardest thing with acceptance is that sometimes you're going to be walking around saying, no, no to this, no to that, because it doesn't align with, you know, what you stand for and what you don't stand for, or what you are able and capable of doing, right? Sometimes we take on so much that we end up losing ourselves. And I think self-acceptance requires us to dial things back to stop and to be still and to take the notion of suitcases and go, okay, here's the deal. I have some suitcases here and some of these suitcases are, um, they're going to be with me the rest of my life, but how big are they going to be? Can I, you know, with my imagination, can I shrink them maybe into this itty bitty little thing that fits in my hand and I can put it in my pocket and, and that's, it's there I'm reminded of it, but it isn't so big that I'm, you know, when I'm walking upright, I'm not leaning forward. And with these other suitcases, you know, are they, are they mine to carry? You know, is that something that I've been carrying around since a child, my childhood experience, you know, did, did my parents say something to me that has negatively impacted me and do I have to carry that around? You know, like something that, um, You know, when you're going through sobriety, and to anyone who maybe hasn't had that experience of getting sober, I'm sure in your life that you've gone through some sort of transition period that you can relate to. So I don't want to say this is only, um, you know, you can only experience this um, while you're getting sober, but. You know, one thing that came up was that I was always masking the expectation that um, I was supposed to grow up and be a doctor. My dad's an immigrant um, from Pakistan, and he always told me, Babu, that's what he calls me, Babu, you must become a doctor. You know, and unfortunately, that's a stereotype. You know, a lot of immigrant parents want their children to be doctors. And that places a lot of um, pressure especially when you don't want to be. Um, And so I carry that around. And because I didn't become a doctor, I felt like a failure. And when I got sober, I had to really reevaluate expectations that I had of myself. And if those were my expectations or expectations others placed on me, and then to take it a step further to go, okay, these are my expectations of myself. These are expectations that people have of me and i can put those down those are not mine to carry like i don't i don't need those expectations to dictate my life because those are someone else's expectations that's that's theirs not mine to carry you know and it comes even back to you know maybe a further concept of you know when you're practicing self acceptance or acceptance you know one thing that is common is a lot of people are constantly worried about what other people think of them. And I remember a therapist told me this, you know, I was, I was in her office and I was going through, uh, you know, some hard times in my life. And, you know, one common theme was, I'm always worried about what other people think of me. And I remember she said this to me and she swore and it was great. She's a great therapist. She's like, you know what, Tara, what other people think of you is none of your fucking business. I was like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, holy crap. That's so right. And that sucks. Like, that's none of my bleeping business. And I can't do a goddamn thing about it. Right then and there. That's acceptance, right? So, you know, I I guess (coughs) if, if people are, when people are listening to this, just think about the suitcases you're carrying. What can you put down? Is this mine to carry? You know? And, and life gets a little lighter, feels a little better. <laughs>
0: it does. And I can even put one, cause one, I really appreciate the example you brought up um, when it came to the expectations that your father placed. Um, it's something I experienced with mm-hmm. a lot of students. I've been a teacher on and off throughout my career. And one of the programs I worked with Upward Bound, we worked with first in- low income, first generation to college students. And so many of them came with uh, first generation expectations, the idea that this was where the new life was, mm. the opportunity <laughs> was, and that they'd seen the hardship that their parents had faced just to come here. And oftentimes yep. it didn't have to be said, it was implied this idea of like, if we want you to have better, yes. we're giving you everything, you know, please make the best of this. And don't yes, screw up. And yeah. the, uh, yeah. many times uh, the children could put them these things on themselves, even without being, you know, that they would, you would read an essay that would say, I never was told that I had to do this, but I knew that I did. You know, I believed that I did simply because of the situation I was in or because an older sibling had done so, or because someone who was in our community had done so. And that was looked upon as the example of like, see, that's how you, you make good on your investment. That's how you, you know, redeem or reward your parents for these sacrifices. Um, but it also reminded me of something that I don't always come across because sometimes these memories that, that are so powerful for us, they, they're they so deeply layered that when they do come up, it's oftentimes when we're driving in the middle of a grocery store, checkout line, something like that. And we don't stop, sit down and process. Mm-hmm. But I mentioned I'm over six feet. And, you know, I've now come across plenty of people who are 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, guys who have, you know quite double my size, literally one extra like foot of measurements above me. But I remember being a child and once an adult saying to me, you're tall. People will look to you for leadership and they'll listen to you because you're tall. You have to take responsibility for that. And I just remember being this little kid like, oh, oh man. And it really created I, I I remember from that moment this clear resilience to that idea as I got older this this like well, just because you say that's what it is, that doesn't mean that that's what I want or that that's what I'm made to be, or that yes. i i I'm okay with that, you know, but you've said this to me and then put me in a leadership position, and now I'm stuck <laughs> in that moment, but I never forgot the idea.
1: You're expecting Yes. Yeah. And for
0: things that I wasn't aware of, things that I had no idea would be used as part of my measurement, but that suddenly you decided be, or told me that based on your understanding, tall people are people you listen to. So you then, young boy, are tall. You, you need to be aware of this. And now you need to take responsibility for the fact that people will listen to you. So go out there and say <laughs> stuff and make them listen to you. And I'm like... You got to be kidding me. I thought we were just here to play some games and have right? some fun. You know, I thought you were the adult. Why am I getting stuck with this?
1: Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, and oh I my... can't
0: imagine how many different ways someone's oh. been put in that situation. Well, well, you're this, so this is what you need to do.
1: Yep. And that's it. And it's like, nope, that's your suitcase. And to me, that suitcase is full of crap, <laughs> you know? I'm not taking that, thank you, but no, thank you, Carrie. Well, you know and what also I mean? because and, you've been
0: doing the lion share, of the swearing. So really, I'm just going to add in, really, that suitcase is full of shit. Um, so
1: <laughs> It is full of shit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's be honest. It's full of shit. And, and the funny thing is, is, is that even though we're maybe going throughout our day dropping off suitcases, just scattering them on our path, we unconsciously might also be giving other suitcases full of perceived shit that we may not even realize mm-hmm. we're doing right, so I think acceptance not only go it goes both ways. what am I receiving and what am I getting? definitely
0: yeah, and right? I think if you're willing to consider what you're unintentionally um asking of others or expecting of them that mm-hmm. you can be that much more not only aware of that but of how it's occurring to you. And sometimes if you're maybe repeating something you've been taught, you know, that the lesson I learned was height equals responsibility, leadership, how many ways that I might eventually uncover did I impress that upon someone who I knew, you know, that the lesson that was taught to me was something I was trying to pass on to someone else. Even when I knew how it made me feel, you know, or that I was challenged by this idea, was I un- unintentionally placing on someone an expectation? Because I had been taught, this is what you do. You recognize something that then you identify with an expectation. And I can't think of a concrete moment, but suddenly it became something I wanted to look for because I didn't like the way it made me feel. And if, if I didn't like it, then
1: mm.
0: what's the other person experiencing that I'm placing those expectations on? right? Um, You know, and that my experience can teach me just as much.
1: Well, and I also think too, I mean, this just popped up in my head when I, when I had shared earlier that I made this list of what I stand for and what I don't stand for, you know, I immediately became empowered because it was clear to me in that moment what I was, um, the incongruencies in my life, right? So, you know, what I didn't share was that the next day, I literally went to my employer and I laid down a suitcase. And that suitcase was, I realize I'm salary, but I can no longer work more than 40 hours a week. And you can take this suitcase back of 41 hours plus, or you can fire me. And that was something I was willing to lay down. And as soon as I laid it down, That I was no longer willing to carry this overtime, which was full of stress, which was taking my livelihood out, which was negatively impacting my health. As soon as I gave that suitcase back, I immediately got more suitcases coming towards me. Suitcases that um, were, were mine to carry, such as acceptance. And hey, guess what? You need to take better care of your health. Hey, guess what? You need to take some time out to, um, to, to reflect, you know? Um, so it's this ebb and flow of give and take. Um, and I think that's what's missed when we talk about acceptance. It's constantly changing. Your relationship with acceptance is constantly changing internally, externally, uh, what you're giving, what you're taking will always change. And that's that. Nice. Wow.
0: Good. Hey, Great summary. Um, Just because, you know, (laughs) one, I feel like we, you know, I was just looking over what we've covered and so much that we've addressed. And I really feel like that was gonna. As I was listening to you, I was like, she's going to hit it. This is going to be that great ending moment. And she's going to hit the nail on the head. It's just going to be that resounding bam and (laughs) ba-boom, you know? And I really feel that that's, that's the point that I would love for us to sort of you know, look at wrapping up on because, man, so many different things that we've addressed coming back to, to, to a home kind of setting to this. Okay. You know, we've, we've taken this sort of lap around self-acceptance and we've brought up a lot of different ideas, but in the end, the way you brought it home there, I, I'm not even going to try and expound. I'm just going to point to, if you're not sure, rewind again, listen again, (laughs) And take to heart, because that's going to be the continued goal for each one of these conversations. And I'm cutting it short, because we know that this is a series. This is something Tara and I have already talked about. Uh, We're going to record another one really soon, because this was really just kind of like our recap and review. But that each point is going to be, in each recording, is going to be an opportunity to delve a little deeper into some of these bigger things we've talked about. And the fact that the things we know we're talking about are themselves individual suitcases, things that need to be unpacked, things that we need to sit down with a little bit. And that while we can address them as part of a larger discussion now um, and highlight them, that each continuing and successive episode is a goal for us to look at each one of these a little more closely and to, in the process of unpacking them, Talk about the things that go back in and maybe some of the things you can leave behind and how the more we look Mm -hmm. closely, the more we we pause to reflect. We have this opportunity to make a really positive impact um, on our mindset, on our lifestyle. Um, And I'm I'm seeing how in many ways this is a great fit for the uh, the four pillars that, that Tara was really great at introducing us to that she's focused on. Because it also goes back to something that she points out in her uh, biography, and I highly recommend you get a chance to, to take a look at that because her goal is about helping each of us make ourselves better, to to be moved in that direction, to improve the quality and value in our lives and to recognize the qualities and values in our lives that already exist and that we can really easily mm-hmm. be blinded to. So. For each one of these episodes, I'm, I'm going to love the fact that digging down and unpacking them and then packing them back up again and deciding, hey, maybe this fits in something smaller is a really great goal, you know, <laughs> that we right. can, uh, you know, approach and that even if we don't always achieve, we can recognize our efforts and attempts through that approach.
1: That's right. That's um, right.
0: I'm just going to also just say because... It's so simple to do. Tara, thank you. What a, what a great opportunity to hear from a really thoughtful and conscientious, um, considerate person who not only has done this as a, a goal personally, but also as a career when helping others. And now, I mean, of your own time, willing to sit down and talk with someone else to extend and create a relationship and to build on that through this series of discussions. I know for me, it's extremely valuable and extremely impacting, and I can only imagine how it's going to be for others. So I'm starting out by saying thank you for me, and also kind of in advance for others who I know this will be affecting in positive ways.
1: Well, thank you. If you could see my face right now, I have a big <laughs> shake around. I love this. So thank you for, for having this conversation. And, creating this platform and, um, this connection and extending it and, you know, being open to expanding upon it that, you know, most of us don't have that opportunity.
0: Ah, So thank uh, you. Yeah. Now I'm just probably going to blush a little bit. Um, (laughs) thank you, Tara. Um, folks, please, uh, send us any messages, comments, things you would love to hear things you would like to know. Um, questions that you have that you'd like us to follow up on. Uh, topics we might miss, topics you would love to hear, testimonials, you name it. I'm going to make sure that uh, following this, I'll have a segment added on that includes all of our contact information. So you can reach out to either Tara or myself individually. And at some point we can probably have something going where you can reach out to us both uh, in a connected service, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. What, what's really The blessing I'm taking away is what we've started and what I know we're going to be continuing. Um, And that's a great feeling to end today on. Thank (laughs) you. My pleasure, Tara. Thank you. And I look forward to the next time you and I get a chance to talk more.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye now. To read more content by Tara Masson, you can visit taramasson.com or send her an email at tara at To reach Seth Singleton, you can either visit his website, Seth Singleton Storyteller, or contact him by email at sethsingleton at gmail.com. All of this information is available through our podcast link and also uh, on the links provided to our websites. And I'm going to encourage you to keep an eye out. Tara Masan will be starting her own podcast soon, Healthy Living Radio with Tara. And I'm just going to encourage you to keep your eyes out for her upcoming podcast. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth, whether you're listening on Anchor Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support. And for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.